Hello, and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm Ariana Cascone, and I'm joined here with Theo Lloyd-Hughes again to break down the United States' second group match. So, Theo, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, Ariana. I'm just just about recovering. I'm, I'm, I honestly feel like I'm trying to get my breath my breath back. That was It was a fabulous game of football, wasn't it? You know, take any allegiances, any any narratives out of the way. It was It was a fun watch, right? Yes, that was the second half was kind of wild. I mean, it was a kind of a tale of two halves, right? So the United States played the Netherlands to a 1-1 draw in this one. And it sort of started out, when it started out, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is kind of good. This is going to be a track meet. Like the first few minutes were intense, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was definitely, you know, I think, this World Cup has had a lot of emotion, a lot of very good performances, maybe early on, but it hasn't maybe had a match this even or this, you know, flippity flop. I mean, I guess the, the Island Canada game uh, earlier today was probably the closest we've seen to a game kind of turning on its head, mm. um, or maybe Sweden, South Africa. But this was this really felt like two potential contenders being both equally brilliant gifted and and maybe sloppy and rough around the edges and emotionally invested and i think that made a great game of football i think if you're a a usa fan or a dutch fan you're probably going to bed tonight being maybe a little more more anxious than than you than you were at the beginning of the match but i think yeah it feels like it's taken us what seven days six days into this tournament to have a game where there was two big nations going toe-to-toe a bit of a ding-dong and and not being perfect, but creating a great game of football. But maybe I think the biggest takeaway for us, you know, as journalists will be, there's a lot of questions for both of these teams, I think, moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Um, It was, I think, going into this, I was not really sure what to expect. I think, obviously, the Netherlands are dealing with Mm -hmm. a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. And so I was envisioning a situation of, Sophia Smith and company sort of cooking the Netherlands back three. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like killing them with pace. And then the first half happened and um you know things just didn't seem to be working for the United States. So if you had to sort of sum up that first half for the US, what would you say? Passive. That was the word that I kept coming back to. I I I I was I had a little notebook with me and I was just kind of writing thoughts down and I just kept writing passive and underlining the word passive. You know, I don't, you know, there's a million different ways to play a football match, but like you said, that Netherlands back three, the three center backs in the three, five, two, none of us felt very confident that they would be able to handle the tenacity, the pace, the kind of the bite of, of Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman. And the USA high press was non-existent. And trying to find balls in behind them wasn't there. Trying to get Crystal Dunn high or Emily Fox high to give the overloads and get in behind the wingbacks wasn't there. And it just felt like, yeah, the USA were passive. They weren't there to take the game to the Netherlands. And whether that whether that was some sort of strategy to give Netherlands the ball and bait them into a turnover, maybe that was the master plan, but it wasn't working. And I think we saw far too much Netherlands possession in the first half. I, I had it down to 61%. Um, 
in the first half, Netherlands had to the USA, and then I think the game ended with the Netherlands with 57. So a little bit more USA ball in the second half there. But yeah, it, it wasn't even necessarily just the fact that Netherlands had the ball. It was the way the US were moving and engaging when they didn't have the ball. I thought was, you know, it, it was very second gear. It, it was very much like we're not we're not here to win this game. We're going to kind of wait for you to come out of your shell. Um, so that surprised me. I don't know if did you expect the USA to press more to maybe play play a little bit faster? I did. I thought that they would find success doing that, winning the ball back quickly, um, sort of, like I said, going at at this team with pace. And I just don't know that they had a really clear strategy in the first half. It didn't seem like uh, the wingers were taking away the wingbacks and, you know, they weren't really stepping to the outside center backs. Um, it seemed at times that players didn't really know who was supposed to go and when they were supposed to move. Um, yeah, to the step. triggers, the tri- there was no triggers. That's exactly it. The, the pressing triggers were all off in that first mm-hmm. half. And there was actually a moment when USA had the ball. Uh, I wrote it down in a in, in 12th minute. There's like a weird passage of play where Palova presses Crystal Dunn mm-hmm. and Crystal Dunn hits the ball out of play. It's like a switch. She's at left back and she gets pressed by Pullover and she hits the switch and Fox tries to keep it in, but she can't do it. And I just thought, how many times have we watched a USA game and Crystal Dunn has misplaced a pass along the back line? That never happens. Mm-hmm. It was that thing of just like, they were not at the races in those first 45 minutes. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see that these sort of themes come up when the Netherlands score their goal, right? So, the- right. Netherlands is they're kind of working it around their back line and um you know they swing it around and they end up hitting Martins and Andy Sullivan is playing the six and she arrives late and she arrives late and then she lunges and she essentially gets beat and that leads to a really big progressive carry that takes Martin pretty deep into the United States defensive third yeah and I, I almost think you know the 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 space, like you said, that the deep carry is outrageous when you watch it back. The fact that Martins is able to carry the ball forty yards, fifty yards, it's something you never really see against the USA. But I think what will really annoy the USA players is is not so much the giveaway because they actually have the numbers back when it happens. They've got four four players back, you know, Fox and Dunn. They're not in a perfect position, but they can they've got recovery speed, they can get back. I think it's the focus on the second ball when when Martins actually hands off Pullover. Pullover's first pass is really poor. Dunn gets a touch. She, she can't actually turn over possession. She gives it back to Pullover. And then it's it's that pass. It's it's when they've had a beat to, to sit around and say and communicate with each other and say, this is who I'm taking. This is the key spaces. It's at that moment that I think the USA really break down. And, and you can see four players who I believe are Sullivan, Haran, Germa, and Dunn. They all zone in. You can see them all look at Pullover. And they're all ball watching. And they don't notice Jill Rod at the back of the box who has time and space. And I think, you know, when they're watching that film back tomorrow, that's the moment they'll say, we weren't switched on, we weren't communicating, we weren't looking at who's who. And that Martin's carry, as outrageous as it is, is almost not the worst part of that phase of play. <laughs> yeah, that breakdown is is really spot on. And I think listening to you think, talk about it sort of contextualizes Alyssa Nair's positioning in, in the play for me too, because she was kind of oh, hugging. Yeah. yeah. She's kind of hugging her near post, which I've broken this down before um, in, in some of my writing and, and some of her positioning has been off in the NWSL with the Chicago red stars. And so, you know, I think I was quietly hoping and maybe us fans were hoping that 
some of that rust would shake off for the when she stepped into net for the U.S. But I think on this play specifically, she's so tied to the near post that she just physically does not have the ability to to cover the perfectly placed ball that Rord hits, you know, far post. And and flowers to Rord. It's a great yes, hit. it it's is great absolutely. Um, yeah, shouldn't take away from from Rord's finish there, but you know. That's a really good point that I think the U.S. were sort of zoned in on on one player and the the end of, the player who ended up scoring was sort of just left hanging out. Yeah, you can go and watch that clip back. There's eight, eight of the 11 players, nine including Alyssa Nair, nine of the USA team is actually in the box mm-hmm. when Rod shoots me at the edge of the box and none of them were close enough to Rod. Like, I mean, that is, it's individual <laughs> errors. It's, 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 it's not being at the races, as we said. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, the good thing is they didn't lose the game, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that that moment in the first half will definitely have have spooked some fans, and may, and I think the players will watch that back, and and you know, they know it's not good enough. Yeah, I agree, and you know that I I'm pretty sure that was the one shot on target for the Netherlands. That was it. The entire yes. match. Yeah. So you know, we don't want to like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling for the United States, right? They get scored on in the group stage. They are trailing for the first time since 2011, right? It happens. <laughs> well, and actually, like, you know, anyone zooming out of, of the international game, I thought it was vintage Jill Rod, mm-hmm. who does this so much. You barely know she's on the pitch, and then she'll score a banger. It reminded me a lot of the Wolfsburg uh, Women's Champions League final against Arsenal at the Emirates, where Arsenal battered Wolfsburg. I guess the USA didn't really batter Netherlands for the first half, but... Arsenal battered Wolfsburg and then Alex Pop heads a shot down and, and Jill Rawls scores from the edge of the box in that one and it completely changed the game and, and I didn't even know Jill Rawls was on the pitch before she scored <laughs> and it was a bit like that today I was like oh Jill Rawls is playing and uh, you know it, it is there was something kind of funny about it even though you know USA players went and loved it I was like oh that's just that's just classic classic Jill Rawls yeah that's that's a really good shout actually so thanks for putting that out um Okay, so, you know, we're talking about the first half and and those general issues for the U.S. in terms of the goal and also just, you know, beyond the goal in terms of the pressing. So then halftime, right, we see um, one substitution. So Rose Lavelle comes in for Sav DeMello. And I think the U.S. looked a lot better in the second half. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I actually just wanted to shout out, not shout out, mention, (laughs) not sorry, shout (laughs) out, but Sav DeMello gets in an altercation I can't remember who it was with, but I wrote it down. Um, I think she gets an altercation, maybe with Van der Donk or someone else. She gets a very long talking to from the ref. Right oh, that before, last foul, right before right, halftime? Last foul, mm-hmm. right before halftime, maybe in, in, in stoppage time in the first half. And I wondered, do you think, didn't that play any, anything in, in, in Vatko's reason to take him off? Or do you think he was just like, we need a more experienced player. We need like, Rose Lavelle. We need, you know, we need someone of that caliber. That's a good question. I think... I think DeMello struggled in the first half. She got fouled a ton, right? Um, it was, she was having a lot of trouble staying on her feet. And I don't know, you know, that's not new. In the NWSL, she's getting fouled or fouling a ton also. But I think she wasn't as effective on the ball. She just wasn't as sharp. And, you know, it's easy for me to critique that, but it's it's important to recognize that this is her third appearance, you know, second star ever. It's a World Cup. So, um I think just that, like lack of sharpness, I think it was just kind of time to bring in a more experienced player and what Rose Lavelle was capable of coming into the first game and sort of making a very large difference, right? I think it was a, it was a good call by the coaching staff. 
just to back you up on that, uh, Sav Domeno was fouled six times in the first half. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. Um, she did win 10 of 16 ground deals. 16 ground deals in a single half is absolutely wild. So Domeno was everywhere. She was definitely getting about. But yeah, I feel you. It was definitely like Vlatko saying, you know, we're not messing about anymore. Yeah, that is that's wild. Sixteen ground duels in here. Yeah, and and she was fouled six times. And and actually, I wrote down as well uh, twenty seven fouls total. This is after ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the this World Cup is averaging twenty point one fouls per game. This game had twenty seven, so it was a little bit foulier than your average twenty twenty three World Cup game. Yeah, no cards though in that first half, right? No, just right. lots of long talking to you. I quite <laughs> like that. The ref was like, uh, you know, like a school teacher. She was just like, come and come into my office, mate. Sit down. You know, we've all, we've, you know, what you, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. It felt like she gave everyone a very long talk. Like I thought Sav Domeno was definitely going to get booked for that late tackle on, on Martins or, or Van der Donk. And uh, the ref just chatted to her for like two minutes. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And we see the ref make that same decision, right? Right before the United States corner that ended up, you know, with their goal. So Vanda Duncan, Daniela, come over to me, Lindsay, come over to me. Exactly right. And so they were having some sort of um, altercation. I don't actually know what was happening. I think Haran was exchanging words. (laughs) Yes, it was group therapy at that point. But um, so right, Haran takes that pretty gnarly tackle from Vanda Donk, and she's on the ground for a minute, right, holding her knee. She gets up, comes back in the field, and. They, the two players exchange words, right? And then the referee kind of brings them together, tries to defuse the situation, and on the service, Haran scores, right? Great header. And uh, there was actually a corner kick minutes before that where you could see the zonal marking that the Netherlands were doing at set pieces. And it's, you know, zonal marking is one of those things like anything in football, you do it great, it looks great. You do it badly, it looks bad. <laughs> and you could tell on the the corner beforehand had been very very well dealt with in the Netherlands zone of marking, and then you kind of see in this corner that when Haran peels off that run and she's able to to have that yard of space, that kind of runway, if you like, to build up momentum and get that header on, it looks stupid that you've basically not got someone tracking her a little bit closer to disrupt her momentum. You've only got someone in the kind of the danger area or the the areas that the Dutch have decided they want their players and the the Dutch player is just too flat-footed they're not they're not ready to defend the kind of ball that Haran is coming to penetrate and and yeah it's a great header it's a great header and I do think just going back to the 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 tussle the kind of the in altercation between van der Donk and Haran that in my mind is, is maybe the moment that the match flipped on its head right that felt like the wake-up call and I guess I would ask you Ariana like do you feel like that maybe was a lesson in in for this US team to play well, they need to be angry. And that Vanderdonk thought she was shit housing, thought she was sorry, excuse me, I don't know if I can say that on the pod, but um <laughs> she thought she was winding up the US mm-hmm. t- to to gain an advantage. And in reality, you know, the US need to play angry. That's a really interesting question. I mean, based on this performance, it, there is compelling evidence to say maybe. Um What's kind of interesting when I think about some of the, like the United States getting kind of riled up and Lindsay Horan especially, right? Like rallying the team and and scoring that goal is when Rose Lavelle came on to the pitch for the second half, it almost felt like she was a gear above everybody else. Like she was everywhere. She was winning balls and she. She also got booked. 
in the 50th yes. minute. She got booked five minutes, five minutes after coming on. Yeah, she did. And so she, I just felt like her intensity level was, was not on par with sort of like the passiveness that we've discussed. And so that paired with, you know, Lindsay Horan and then scoring the goal, it almost like it kicked everybody up a notch. Like, okay, actually we can do this thing. Let's do this thing. And it shouldn't take, it shouldn't take a situation like that. Right. I can understand a goal, um, but it does seem like, you know, getting really pissed kind of that, that payback was like, Hey, I'm going to score now. Right. Yeah. It kind of made me think that maybe the, the Dutch, you know, they are a younger team. They're, they've had three managers in three years or whatever, maybe four years. They they are going, they're a more transitional team that maybe even with a lot of experienced players, especially in that back line, like Janssen and Spitzer, like they are maybe still learning the trade of a high intensity World Cup battle. And it maybe felt like once it became a fight, the USA were, were a little bit more equipped, let's say. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, after that, right, it's one-way traffic. Yeah, it did feel like the U.S. really, I, I'm hesitant to use the word dominant, but the second half, really, the momentum was in their favor. Um, and it was in their favor, but again, you know, they it's not like they score another goal. So this is another thing where they're creating chances, but but potentially not finishing. And this leads me to my next question, which is about the substitution pattern here. So, you know, there are no subs in the front line for the U.S. in this game, and I was actually pretty surprised about that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about it at the top of the show, but I mean, kind of shocked he, but he maybe went with an unchanged 11 mm-hmm. off the bat and definitely shocked for me to not see the subs. I mean, Alex Morgan definitely drifts out of this game, in my opinion. Trinity Roman didn't have a best day. Again, we talk about the off-the-ball stuff. That's, you know, that's Roman's bread and butter, one of the best defensive forwards out there. So smart at reading other people's movement, hitting pressing triggers not at it today smith was probably the best of the bunch um very unlucky not to score actually uh lika martins kind of knocks her brilliantly well hit left footed shot off off the line um right by the post so smith very unlucky not to score probably the best of the bunch was able to get separation which i think was something morgan and, and robman struggled with more but you look at their xg you look at the you know 0.9 for the usa overall the positions they were getting into when they were taking shots wasn't great. They were probably snatching at shots a little early, snatching at shots from angles that weren't, you know, helpful. So, yeah, I think we, the game was calling out for Lynn Williams. Um, maybe even going back to this idea of the pressure at the moment, you could maybe have thought about bringing on Meg. Um, you didn't see a lot of crossing, which tends to be Meg's kind of best attribute today. Uh, although maybe Haran's header is a sign that there should have been more crossing. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. It, it it definitely definitely could have seen more subs in my book. Although the Lavelle sub probably at halftime did pay off. But yeah, who would you who would you have brought on in the second half, Ariana? I think I probably would have brought in Lynn Williams. Uh, you know, she's has historical success against the Netherlands. Um, right, she think, rescued the Olympic game. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, we mentioned Trinity Robin being one of the defense best defensive forwards. I think Lynn Williams is really at the top of that list. And, you know, she's wicked fast too. So having all three forwards that have a similar skill set in terms of their ability to go at players with pace, um, I think would have done a little bit more of what I anticipated out of this game, which is to burn that three back. Um, 
you know, the U.S. can be very fluid when all three of those those forwards are on the field. And I, I felt like Alex Morgan at times was a step behind Smith and Rodman. And that's not to say she was ineffective. I think she was actually most effective when she was checking off the back line and then releasing Sophia Smith, who was able to to play Trinity Rodman in, which happened, you know, a couple of times. But, um, you know, in terms of of some of the fluidity, I think a player like Lynn Williams really could have thrived in this game. Mm. No, I, I totally feel that. I think one of the things which is not necessarily my personal feeling, but if we're going to, you know, the modern the modern game, the modern world, the way we experience things is often you do have the timeline influencing you or, or, or in your face. I felt like the timeline was calling out for Juliet's to return to the midfield. Mm. I don't necessarily share that opinion, but how do what are your what are your feelings on Juliet's maybe coming back to the midfield? I think Juliet's should be the center back. Um okay. I I do like I like the the Ertz and Germa pairing. I think they complement each other really well. I think that um Alana Cook is a little bit passive and Ertz uh, is not that's not one way you can describe her I don't think based on, you know, just her style of play. I think a lot of those calls are, are likely because of folks maybe wanting Sullivan to be not in the lineup. And, you know, yes, we talk about Sullivan being out of position and then lunging on the play that that set off the Netherlands sequence for the goal. But in all, I'm not sure that, you know, she was she was so bad that it impacted the U.S. very negatively, right? I think having Julie Ertz as a center back and sort of Holding down the fort back there is the move. <laughs> it's just put simply. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, this was maybe a game on this idea of, you know, Sussie would have liked to see or maybe changes moving into the knockout rounds or whatever, providing they, they beat Portugal or get a draw against Portugal. Um, you know, maybe it was a game for Ashley Sanchez. A little bit more ingenuity, a little bit more creativity, I think. I don't necessarily think this was the Juliet's midfield game. Because, especially in that second half, USA had more of the ball. Holland got deep. Holland went inside their shell. I think he needed more of that ingenuity on the ball. And I think maybe it was really the Ashley Sanchez in the middle. Um, you know, I, you, you know, the USA are probably never going to put Sanchez, Lavelle, and Haran on all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But maybe take Haran off. Maybe bring in Sanchez and, and keep Sullivan as the six, or move Ertz in there if you feel like she's a better blocking six, whatever. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Juliet's in the midfield necessarily solves solves the issues when it comes to creating, getting the ball in better positions for the USA to score. I don't think Ertz is necessarily going to fix that overnight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I share that opinion, honestly. I think that's a pretty good read. And this is making me think about maybe the fullbacks. Did you have any thoughts about, you know, we saw the late fullback subs, which we talked about in the first uh, reaction pod. And of course, we don't see those again. Um, so we see More, Fox I mean, and Dunn. It just makes me think, what the hell was going on in the Vietnam game? The fact that we don't <laughs> yeah. get, the fact that we're still sitting here, whatever it is, you know, nearly midnight in New York uh, on a on a Wednesday night, and Lynn Williams hasn't made her World Cup debut, and we 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 got five ten minutes of Kelly O'Hara and uh, Sofia Huerta. Like I am baffled by some of the decisions Black Guys made, but not. It's funny, not the big decisions, like the small decisions are the ones where I'm like, what is going on? Um, 
Yeah, I mean the fullbacks are fine. Like I think we could, you know, we could bash our head against the door saying like maybe Crystal Dunn is the player to to link the midfield a little bit better. You know, talk about mm-hmm. you know what she's doing with the Portland. I was Thorns, baiting which... you. To no, I know you honestly <laughs> felt like you were baiting me, but like that would be one way of fixing you know the issues. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about like what would actually happen in in real life, um, no, I think the fullbacks are fine. I think you know I don't think it was Emily Fox and Crystal Dunn's best game by any means. We've talked about their individual errors, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't change them out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would either. I mean, yeah, that's just agree with you on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to think if I had any anything else to add on substance. We got to try and yeah, really anger the other person. I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate this this mode of yours, Ariana. Um, thanks. So so just to wrap this up, I think you know, looking ahead to Portugal. So you know, United States having if they had won this game against the Netherlands, that would have secured their. Um, you know, ticket to the knockouts. And so they're still leading the group thanks to a goal difference. But, you know, this game against Portugal and now Netherlands game against Vietnam kind of has more importance, I think, than the United States might have hoped coming into this game against the Netherlands, right? If Portugal win. I think if if it's a draw or which I guess you know importance is obviously you know depends mm-hmm. on the result but if Portugal win it does make things interesting because yeah Portugal would know that if they beat the USA in game 3 they would be through no matter what like if Portugal win tomorrow it's winning in for Portugal which is kind of huge whereas if Portugal draw they're going to need the Netherlands to drop they're going to need the Netherlands to lose to Vietnam which is probably not going to happen and they'll need yeah to lose by a scoreline whatever scoreline they would hypothetically get against the US so yeah I think if Portugal win tomorrow it really makes the complexion of this this group very different obviously you know everyone is an athlete out there everyone wants to win so even if Portugal let's say they draw against Vietnam, they'll go into that USA game wanting to give 100% no matter what, even if advancing looks like a, like it's not going to happen. But it, yeah, it is interesting for the US just in regards to, you know, everyone thinking they're going to walk this group and now, you know, they're only on four points. Um, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but yeah, to, to, for the US not to be through into the next round going into game three is kind of interesting. Um, you know, how many times that's happened in a World Cup before. But yeah, I think... Everyone knew the Netherlands game was going to be hard. It was going to be the hardest one in the group. They're, they're a good, they're a good side, and I don't think it changes that much. I guess if we're looking at like overall tournament takeaways, mm-hmm. I still expect the USA to go through, even if you know if the, if the Netherlands batter Vietnam six nil, let's say there is this does open up the opportunity for the USA to finish second, right? Right. If they beat Portugal one nil and and the Netherlands beat Vietnam by four goals or more. Holland will go through as number one. So that is interesting if if the USA end up in the other side of the draw. Um, but big, big picture, I still think the USA get through, right? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm in that same boat. I, I wonder though, based on some of this calculus, right, could that have played into the coaching staff's decision to not rotate in this game? Because you're saying they would need them more focused on beating Portugal by more than one goal? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not sure if it's that or maybe, you know, wanting to get some something other than a tie out of this game, right? So 
I, I was hesitant to say that the U.S. was dominating, but it was very clear that momentum was in their favor. So maybe the the decision not to kind of switch that up is because they they really felt like they were on the front foot and could have won this game. Um, you know, but but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it does make me, you know, there's always going to be two ways to look at a football match. And mm-hmm. it does make me think that maybe Vlatko, is it he's so confident in the players on the pitch or is it that he's not confident in himself to make the right changes? That's the dichotomy. Is is, is he sitting there going, I don't know if Lynn Williams is going to go on and win this game. And if if she doesn't make the chances, I'm going to be a fool. Or is it that, like you said, the momentum is with the US 60 minutes onwards, 66 minutes onwards in those final 20 minutes. So you're thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm riding the wave. I'm just going to ride the wave. Chances are falling. You know, things are looking okay. Mm-hmm. Game finishes 1-1. We go, hey, should have brought in Williams. But obviously if Sophia Smith had got that shot in, you know, maybe you'd back him and say, okay, well, yeah, you know, he backed the players. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have the answer to that question. I think in a in a World Cup that is going to be exhausting. That has fourteen players who've never played in a World Cup before. I think you want to get more minutes. I think you want to get more people involved. I think to only use one substitute in your second group stage match is a big. This isn't the round. You know, this isn't a round of sixteen game or a quarter final game. Um, I think there's a lot of players in this squad who could have used some time. And again, if we're talking about changing the game. Lynn Williams might have come on and scored a goal. Who the hell wants to go and uh, go up against Alyssa Thompson? Yeah, in the when, 80 plus minute, right? Right. I honestly was like thinking, I, I thought I saw it. I thought I envisioned it. I, I, Alyssa Thompson warming up and coming on so many times. Every time it like cut away to the half to the sideline mm-hmm. and Vlatko in that big red puffer jacket. I was like, oh, is Alyssa Thompson coming on? Because it just felt like it felt like you could have taken Robman off for Thompson. Could have taken Morgan off for Williams, and that would have been the kind of game-changing subs we used to. You know, I, I I always think things aren't you know things aren't as simple as the timeline says. So part of me is like, well, let's see how this one plays out. But if we get to game three, if we get to the quarterfinals, and there's players you maybe thought should have had more minutes, we'll probably look back at this game and say it should have been different. But right now, it's you know it's hard to judge. And like we said, providing they beat Portugal by more goals, this game will probably be forgotten about. Um, you know. Re- relatively soon obviously if they end up finishing second if they end up going out before the semi-finals then yeah maybe we'll we'll return to this game yes we might so we'll just have to wait and see i guess <laughs> um okay well that feels like a great place to wrap it up thanks theo for hopping on right after the game right um immediate reactions so i really appreciate your time no thanks so much for being uh thanks you so much for having me not for being here i'm here <laughs> um yeah i feel very energized like we did the vietnam one it was sort of cool calm collected felt like we were in you know the library and you know maybe we were having like a chamomile tea Mm -hmm. this one i feel like i'm absolutely you know ready to go run through brick walls and and run a marathon which i know you are preparing for so good luck with that yes i am thank you so much i appreciate that um but yeah uh sleep well everyone you know happy wednesday night (laughs) Yes, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And a special thank you to our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back soon with more on The Equalizer podcast. 